This is another message brought to you by the Remodel Church. David now is on the run. The same David that killed Goliath with nothing but a slingshot and a stone, sunk it right in his forehead and killed Goliath, nine foot six. No telling how many hundreds of pounds a dude weighed. The same man that was promised that he would be rich, he would be favored in the kingdom, would never have to pay taxes again, is on the run for his life from the king that promised him all of those things. Last week we saw how the relationship and the friendship between David and Jonathan, how impactful that was for David, but not only David, but also Jonathan and in the future, all of his descendants. But this week, again, David is on the run. 1 Samuel chapter 21, chapter 22, verse tw- and chapter 23. Go ahead and find it in your Bibles. It's setting it all up for chapter 24. David flees after, after Jonathan lets David know, yes, indeed, my dad does want to kill you. David takes off running, and he runs literally for the hills. But on his way, he stops by a church, and he visits, he visits with the pastor. And he says, listen, this is what's going on. I am on a top secret mission that the king has sent me on. Nobody knows about this and nobody can know about this. But, you know, it was so important and, and we had to leave so quickly. It's all in chapter 21 that uh, we forgot to bring anything with us. He's talking about he and his men. He says, I don't have any food. Do you have anything? Do you have anything you can spare? And the pastor finds some bread for him. Spreads it out, and David says, man, I'm very ashamed of this, but I don't even have a weapon with me. I, I, I was in such a hurry. I just, I, I dropped everything, and I ran. Do you happen to have a weapon? Now, obviously, he wasn't talking to Pastor EJ, because Pastor EJ has plenty of weapons. But uh, this dude, all he had was actually Goliath's sword. And he says, this is all we have. And David says, that is plenty. So David eats, takes a sword, thank you very much, takes off running. Remember, the pastor knows absolutely nothing. David actually lied to the pastor, to the priest, to the preacher, whatever you want to call him. Actually lied to him. But Saul finds out, there was one of Saul's men there. And Saul finds out that this pastor actually helped David. Saul is furious. And this just speaks to how much Saul hates David and where Saul's heart is. But Saul is furious. And he goes to this church, goes to this pastor, and he says, I cannot believe that you helped David escape. I can't believe that you fed him and you even armed him. How low, how little do you think of me? So the pastor responds with, Dude, number one, I had no idea what was going on. He lied. Number two, there is no one that has been more faithful to you than David. Nobody has served you better. No one has loved you more of all of your servants than David. Why are you so mad at him? You know how Saul responds? Today you die. And Saul commands a couple of his soldiers to kill him. But these guys are like... I'm not very religious, but I'm pretty sure the Bible says don't kill your pastor. So they don't want to kill him. 
So Saul turns to the guy that basically tattled on David and says, you kill him. And so he does. And he doesn't only kill him, but he kills 85 other preachers or priests, pastors, whatever you want to call them. Kills 85 of them in that city because they helped David escape. Again, this, is, this just speaks to the hatred inside of Saul's heart. How much do you have to hate somebody to kill somebody that helped them without even knowing it? Innocent blood was shed just because of Saul's hatred inside of his heart towards David. David actually hears that these people need help because the Philistines are attacking them. So David goes and he's like, well, just real quickly, I'm going to go ahead and kill these dudes. And he kills them. He beats, he beats them up, whatever. God gives them a victory. And then after that, David goes and runs into the caves. Saul chases him. And this is where we're at, 1 Samuel chapter 24. I want you to find that because this is what we're going to be talking about today. And it's so cool. David and 600 men are in this cave hiding from Saul. Not because, I want you to understand, not because they're afraid. David is a warrior. David is not afraid of Saul. David is afraid of God and he doesn't want to kill God's anointed. And we'll, and we'll see this. So David and 600 men are hiding in this cave. And Saul walks into the cave by himself. To tend to his business. There were no porta potties back then, so I guess they went in the cave. So he walks into this cave, and David sees him. David's men see Saul. And one of David's men said, Look at this. God has handed your enemy over to you. He's in your hand. You can do whatever you want. Most likely, if it were me, and if I'm in David's hand or in David's shoes, I just kill him. Think of all of the advantages that David has to gain if Saul is gone. One, there's, he's no longer a threat to him. No, there's no longer an army and all of these people chasing after him. Two, remember David several years before had already been anointed to be the next king. Well, to be the next king. Who, who do you need out of your way? The current king, right? You can't be the next king while he's still king. So all of these advantages that David has, if he would just get rid of Saul, but instead, David quietly sneaks up to Saul. David was bad, man. And cuts a part of his garment, a part of his dress, or whatever you want to call it, that he was wearing. Just a corner of it. Takes a piece of it in his hand. And then this is the amazing part about David. And I want us to read this. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 24. Let me find the scripture. We'll start in verse 4. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 4. Then the men of David said to him, This is a day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. Verse 6. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. I want you guys to jump down with me to verse 10. 
Look this day your eyes, David is confronting Saul. Look this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you and said, highlight this. I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointing. Jump down to verse 12 and highlight it. The Lord judged between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. As a, proverb of, as a proverb of the ancients say, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom, after whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dog? A flea? Verse 15, highlight this. Therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much this morning for your presence that we've already felt in this place. We ask you, God, that you just speak into our hearts, that you would speak into our lives, help us understand your word, help us to receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this is what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about how to deal with our enemies. David is here in a cave, saw all by himself, Saul trying to kill David. Saul, if he had, if the tables were turned and Saul had the opportunity to kill David, you better believe he would do it in an instant. We already seen it in previous chapters where he tried to throw, where he threw a spear at David and missed David because of David's agility. But here's David has the opportunity to do whatever he wants to Saul. And he doesn't kill him. He doesn't hurt him. He actually just cuts a part of his robe. And even that breaks David's heart. That's where I want us to get by the end of today. When we're dealing with our enemies, when we're dealing with people that are trying to hurt us, that offend us, not by accident, but purposefully, on purpose, they offend us, they do things, they say things to hurt us and our families. Spitefully. I want us to get to the point where David is. To where we're not even mad at them. We're not frustrated at them. But we love God so much. And we care so much about being right before God. That we would never dream of causing harm or pain to anyone else. That is where David is. It's incredible. It's beyond my spiritual level right now. No doubt. But hopefully, through this lesson, through the scriptures that we're going to be reading, we can at least begin a journey to get to here. So the very first thing that we all have to understand is this. Not everyone is going to like you. Now, for some, that can be very stressful. For some, that can be very liberating. For me... It's a little bit of the both. You know, I thought for sure if my personality and and my charm doesn't win people over, I thought for sure that my good looks would get the rest of them. I was wrong, man. I was wrong. Not everyone is going to like you. Now, sometimes it's because of something that you did, and sometimes you did hurt somebody. Sometimes maybe purposefully or on accident you hurt somebody, you said something, you did something. Sometimes it's just simply because you're friends with somebody that they don't like, right? 
You ever get stuck in a situation like that? You got to pick between your friends. So not everyone is going to like us, and that is okay for some of us. Some of us are like, yeah, duh, and some are like, oh, no, they don't like me. What can I do about this? Not everyone is going to like us. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. It, it leaves something there in 1 Samuel. Put your cell phone. That's what I just did. And Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. So if you're in 1 Samuel, go to the right. You will eventually run into it. Matthew chapter 5. If you run into Mark, Luke, John, something like that, then go back to the left. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start reading in verse 43. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. These letters in most of your Bibles are probably read. And that's because Jesus spoke them. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now let's stop right there. Now if I'm honest, and if I was Matthew, you know, because basically the Holy Spirit spoke to Matthew and then Matthew wrote these words down. If I'm honest, I probably would have just, Stopped right there. Because it's real easy to love your neighbors or the lovable people. The ones that love you back. The ones that like you. The ones that you get along with. It's very easy to love those people. Right? And so that's what he's saying here. You have heard. You have learned. They have taught you. You shall love your neighbor and you shall hate your enemy. Now that would be pretty easy to do. Would you agree with me? It's easy to love some people. The easiest person in the world for me to love right now is Adeline, my little girl. Because she smiles about everything. And she has those two little teeth that she's had since she was born almost. And nothing else has come out. But I still love her. And she laughs and she smiles about everything. And, and she's the only one that whenever I walk into the room, she actually smiles. Lorraine is like, oh. Yeah, way past it. And, Zion, and Zion's just like, oh, Papa, you're here. But sister, or sister, Adeline, she's like, oh, she gets excited. She sees me. She's super easy to love, super easy. And I love to hold her, and I, I, I love to just fat, kiss her fat cheeks, man. She's got these big old cheeks. I love to press my lips up against them, and she kind of gets annoyed by it, but I do it anyways. Super easy to love. Somebody that's a little bit difficult to love sometimes is Zion. Zion is in this stage of, like, he's whining about. He's never whined, and he's whining now. And last, not last night, the night before, he was, like, doing it on purpose. You know, like, it wasn't, he wasn't really crying. He was trying to make himself cry. He didn't even know which face to make. He's like, like, son. Just stop it. Now, don't get I, I love my son. Don't get me wrong. I love him. I'm just saying sometimes he's a little bit more difficult to love. Like when we're in the restaurant and all the kids are sitting there and eating their food and Zion's hanging from the ceiling and climbing on top of people, you know, talking to the people behind us and eating their food. He won't eat his own food, but he'll eat somebody else's. I love him. I love him to death. And there's some people in life that it's going to be extremely easy to love. 
because they're always smiling. We get along. We like the same things, all that kind of stuff. And then there's, on the other hand, there's people that are going to be extremely difficult to love. And it's normal to love the lovable. It's easy and it's normal. That's what everybody does. Everybody loves the lovable people, but it's godly to love the unlovable. So it's normal. Everybody loves the people that are lovable. The guys that are smiling, the ones that always have the best jokes, the ones that are generous, the one that buy your food every time. Those people are easy to love. But it's godly. It's of God. We're closer to God. We're most like God whenever we love the unlovable. So if we keep on reading, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. It's normal to love the lovable, but it's godly to love the unlovable. Verse 46 and 47. For if you love those who love you, I want you to highlight this. What reward have you or do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than any others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. There's no heavenly reward for loving the lovable. But there is for loving the unlovable. I believe with all of my heart, just in the same way that we invest things here on earth, you know, you invest in a home or you invest into a vehicle or a piece of property or, or a business, whatever you may invest into, you pour your money into, you pour, pour your heart into, you give your time, you give your work for it, and you invest in it so that you can enjoy it, right? So if you, if you invest into a home, you may put a lot of money into it and you may put a lot of work and sweat equity in it, but it's yours and you get to enjoy it. I believe the same way that we invest in things here on earth, we can invest in things in heaven as well. And according to what Jesus says here, that when we love those that love us, there's no reward for that in heaven. Because the reward, we we receive it here. Whenever I love Adeline, I get that reward back here because she hugs me, kind of. Uh, At least I squeeze her anyways. She doesn't love me near as much as she loves her mama or near as much as I love her, but I still love her to death. Um, But whenever I love her, I love my wife or I love my son, I get that reward back here. They hug me, they kiss me, we smile, we laugh together. But when I love the unlovable... When I love those that aren't liking me or don't like me, when I love those that are trying to hurt me, when I, try, when I love those that are against me, then I'm investing in heaven. Does that make sense? That's, that's biblical principles. That's, just, that's the way it works. Jesus says, what reward do you have when you love those that love you? But we have the reward when we love those that don't love us. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Verses 17 on down are going to teach us how, and if you're in Matthew, go to, go to the right. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 on down are going to teach us how to love our enemies. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Repay no one for evil. Or, or, excuse me, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Repay no one evil for evil, but have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Treat others better than they treat you and much better than they deserve. Have you ever caught yourself saying, but they don't deserve it? Or what I should have said, what I should have done, what they do deserve is fill in the blank. But Jesus says, the Bible says, don't repay evil for evil, but do good in the sight of all men. Do good. We repay evil, not with evil, but with good. We treat people better than what they treat us and much better than what we feel like they deserve. So as Saul is in this cave and David has the opportunity to avenge him and to get back at him because Saul has tried so many times to take David's life. David decides not to repay the evil that Saul had uh, placed or tried to get at David with, but he decides, I'm going to do good by you. And not so much because he cared what everybody else said because everybody else was saying, kill him, he's in your hands, but because he cared about what God said. And he cared about where he stood with God. So we repay people not with evil, but with good. We treat others better than we treat than they treat us and better than what they deserve. Verse 18, I want you guys to highlight this. Circle it, underline it, do everything you can to make this scripture stand out. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on who? You live peaceably with all men. Do your best to keep the peace with everyone and anyone, even when they're at war against you. Again, Saul is at war against David. He's got a couple thousand men, a couple thousand soldiers after David to try to destroy Everything that David is. But David does his best to keep the peace with Saul. Again, he's not spiteful. He's not vengeful. He's not taking advantage of any situations. But he's staying at peace. And so many of us, we take these opportunities. Or we have like this this bank in our mind where All they have to do is say something and like we'll say, yeah, but you remember when you, no, I'm the only one who ever thinks that way. We've got like a a bank up in our mind of everything anyone ever did wrong to us or to anybody that we love. Anything they ever said to us, anything they ever did to us or said about us or or we heard them say, whatever. And, And anytime they try to justify themselves or they come against us, we're so ready to just fire right back at them. But the Bible says that as long as it depends on us, as long as it depends on you, as long as it depends on me, we should live at peace, peaceably, peaceably with all men, with all 
people. You know what this means? You know what this really looks like? This means sometimes we just got to shut up. This means sometimes we don't get to just fire back at people. They might say something and they might, man, we might feel like we're exploding on the inside because we know the truth or we know what they did or whatever. But as long as it depends on you, the Bible says, live at peace with everyone. And this is what David does. David has the opportunity. He has them right there at his fingertips. He can do whatever. I mean, he cut a part of his robe off and Saul had no idea. I'm telling you, David was a bad man. But he chooses peace. He chooses to live at peace, or try anyways, to live at peace with Saul. Sometimes we're just going to have to shut up. You know, something that frustrates and irritates me, man. I don't know why anybody would ever want to tell me what somebody else said bad about me. Irritates the living daylights out of me when somebody starts, dude, you should have heard what they said about you. I don't care what anybody said about me. Now, if it was good, yeah, go ahead, tell me. But if it's bad, shut up, bro. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. All that's going to do is make my blood pressure rise. It's going to make me angry, and it's going to make me look differently at somebody. Don't go around telling people what so-and-so said about so-and-so. Come on. Can we get past third grade? It doesn't do anyone any good. All it does is create strife and anger and gossip. You know the Bible talks about gossip. It doesn't say anything good about gossip. So it means we're going to have to hold our tongue, and sometimes it means we're going to have to tell somebody, I don't want to hear that. I don't need that. Didn't your mama ever tell you, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all? I don't need that. I don't need that in my life. I don't need it in my mind or in my heart. All it's going to do is change my, my mentality and change my heart towards people. I would rather not know these things. That way I can live peaceably with them. You guys with me? It's going to take some effort on your part. And it is, again, I want to remind you, the Bible puts it on your part. As long as it is up to you, live at peace with everyone. So be quiet sometimes. Just hold your tongue sometimes. Don't listen to some people. Those people are always telling people what other people said. Don't listen to them. Stop talking to them. Stop hanging out with them. They're... Filling your, filling your mind of negativity, and it's just no good. I've watched the movie Mean Girls. That's about as far as I want to get with that kind of junk, man. A lot of you guys are more men than me, obviously, because you've never watched Mean Girls. But I have a wife that loves it. Anyways. Anyways, anyways. So hold your tongue. Don't listen to others and watch your anger. 
Watch your fury. Watch, watch uh, your character. Watch, check, keep your attitude in check. We keep reading verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. This is speaking of God. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Do your best to do what is right. Then let God judge between the two. You should have highlighted 1 Samuel chapter chapter 24, verse 12, and then verse 15. And David says two times, David says, I am not going to touch you, Saul. I had the opportunity to kill you, to hurt you, to do whatever I wanted to do to you. But I am not going to do that. I will not take justice into my own hands. I'm going to stand right here and do the best that I can do to to be right before God, to be righteous before God. And then I'm going, going to let God judge me and then God will judge you. Do you guys understand that? But so many of us would rather have the self-gratification of telling somebody off. The self-gratification of gaining our own revenge. Not understanding you're going to be judged either way. You will be judged either way by people and by God. It's so much more important for us to walk rightly and just and and righteously before God be right be on God's side of the issue and maybe let our ego take a little bit of a hit maybe some people will say well did you hear what they did you know what they did to them and he didn't even say anything she didn't even say anything didn't do anything whatever the case may be it's so much better for us to be on the righteous side and let God take judgment on me and on them And let God deal with the situation however God wants to deal with it than for me to take things into my own hands. You guys with me? This is what David didn't want. David didn't want Saul's blood on his hands. And he knew he would be judged by by the people that he was with and he knew he'd be judged by God. And he chose to be right before God than before the people. My prayer is that all of our hearts would get to this place where we choose to be right before God and not before people. Verse 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Martin Luther King said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. You see, when it comes to dealing with people that don't like you or that you don't like, you can do whatever you want. You can You can talk bad about them. You can say whatever you want to them. You can blow up in their face. You can punch them right in the jaw, and it might feel good for a little bit, but then your knuckles are going to hurt, you know, because none of us are Conor McGregor or Mayweather. Let's just be honest. It's going to hurt us some too. 
And, and we might feel some self-gratification for a moment. And we might feel good about ourselves for a moment. And our chest might get all puffed up for a moment. But the truth is, we still lost. Because we let that evil sink into our hearts. And even though maybe they were in the wrong, and even though even the police report says that it was self-defense or whatever, when that we had every right to punch that dude right in the nose or in the chin, whatever. Or to, we, everybody else believes that we had every right to talk bad about them and slander them and gossip against them or, or blow up in, in front of their face and do all of these things. And everybody else says, yeah, dude, they deserve that. That's right. They, that's what they get. They, you're right. You're, you're in the right. But the truth is, we still lose because then we are overcome by evil. And the evil that they meant for us actually gets into our hearts. That's why the Bible says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I want you to understand, we may not ever see that revenge or the wrath of God or or whatever we feel like they deserve come full fold. There's, there's, there's hundreds, maybe, maybe even thousands of martyrs around the world that have given their life, literally given their life for Jesus. Who were killed, who were beheaded, who had their hands cut off, who had their families murdered and raped right in front of them. And it may seem like there's no justice to be found anywhere. But the truth is, sooner or later, good will overcome the evil. They may not have been able to live to see it with their own eyes. But good always overcomes evil. That's the way it's written. That's the way the story ends. That's the way life ends. Good always overcomes evil. And at the end of the day, when Jesus is talking about enemies and how to deal with enemies and when the Bible teaches us how we should deal with people that don't like us and with people that hurt us and people that offend us, people that are against us, The Bible doesn't give us a formula uh, for vengeance, doesn't give us a recipe of how to avenge ourselves and how to protect ourselves. But what the Bible actually gives us is a formula or a recipe of how to stay right and righteous before God. And that's what matters more than your vengeance. What matters more is not how hurt you are and what people say about you. What matters the most is what God says about us. It's how right and how just we are before the eyes of God. The ultimate example is Jesus Christ himself. As he carried the cross, he was spit on, he was mocked. They placed a crown of thorns on his head. He was beaten, he was abused. And Jesus didn't respond. He didn't react. He didn't lash out. He was quiet. The Bible compares Jesus carrying the cross to a lamb led to the slaughterhouse. Not a word said. And he did all of this to overcome all of this evil with good. And because of his obedience and because of what he did on that cross... The evil that is in our hearts and in our lives can be wiped clean because of the goodness of a Savior, Jesus Christ. 
This is the end of the message. For more information, please visit theremodelchurch.com. Thank you.